Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the ways in which you speak to us through your word and the ways in which you are establishing your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray that you would um, increase our passion for this this morning, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you take a seat? So, why on earth are we here? And I don't mean why are we here on earth, although actually this sermon is a little bit about that, but why are we here right now on a Sunday morning at 10.58 in St. Mary's Slaffham? Why are we worshipping together? Why are we praying together? Why are we here in this building together? What is the purpose of God's church? Well, I think in order to understand the purpose of God's church, we need to understand first what Jesus was talking about when he talks about the kingdom of God. And that's what this morning's sermon is about. Where the spirit of the Lord is, the kingdom is established in God's people. Now the kingdom of heaven is something that Jesus spoke a great deal about in his teaching. A huge amount of his parables were pointing towards this concept of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, a vast amount of his teaching. Uh, Matthew's gospel particularly, if you read Matthew's gospel from beginning to end, uh, a great activity to do, I highly recommend it. You will see that theme of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, coming up time and time again. Matthew was particularly concerned that people really understood this part of what Jesus came for. This, 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 this kind of main message that Jesus preached about the kingdom of heaven being at hand, the kingdom of God uh, being near. And, and, and we see it throughout Jesus' ministry, throughout his teaching, because he is the one who came in order to establish that kingdom on earth. It's a kingdom that already exists. Uh, it's God's kingdom. It's the kingdom that uh, God sits enthroned upon anyway. But there was a desire that God had to bring that kingdom crashing down onto earth in the person of Jesus Christ. And why is the person of Jesus Christ so significant when we talk about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven? Well, it's because in order to have a kingdom, what do you need? You need a king. And Jesus came as that king. Not the kind of king that everybody at the time expected him to be, but he came as the humble king. The one who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came as the king, not just the king of a small pocket of the world, but king over all. King of kings and lord of lords and god of gods to stand above all other rulers and authorities to establish God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Now we know that God's kingdom is a perfect everlasting kingdom. And so God's desire is for Jesus to bring that on earth. And what Jesus essentially does as the king is he establishes his place as the king of all the world is in his gospels and in his teaching and in his, in his miracles and in his parables. He shows us what the kingdom that he's come to establish would look like. He basically says this is, this is God's manifesto for the world. This is what God wants to see happen in this world with me as its king, with Jesus as its king. This is what God's kingdom would look like on earth as it is in heaven. And so we see in Jesus, we see lives transformed. We see lives changed. We see, uh, we see miracles occur. We see uh, incredible glimpses of the kingdom of heaven in the ministry of this son of God. 
And what is the mission of the kingdom? We're going to come to that in a minute, but I want us to look first at this passage with Nicodemus. I love this encounter. This is one of my favorite Jesus encounters in scripture. Nicodemus, a respected religious leader. Uh, He was a a teacher. Uh, He was a Pharisee, which was a particular group of of Jewish people, Jewish religious teachers at the time. And and whereas most of the other Pharisees have become so cynical, they've just completely closed any notion that Jesus could be who he says he is. And so they're not interested. They're just up against him. Nicodemus has kept enough of an open mind to at least approach Jesus and ask him some questions. He's not so close-minded that he's not prepared to just ask him what he's thinking. And so Nicodemus, although he does it by night, so he's not seen by his peers, he slips out, he finds Jesus, and he asks him the questions that he asks him about the kingdom of God, about who Jesus is, about how Jesus is able to do the things that Jesus is able to do in the presence of God. And Jesus answers his question, not by talking about what it, how he is he can do what he can do, but by talking about the kingdom of God. And the whole concept of the kingdom of God is that we cannot enter it without the Holy Spirit, which is why we've made it part of this sermon series. Because it's about being born of the Spirit. It's about being born again into that relationship with Jesus. We know the Spirit leads us to Jesus. It reveal, he reveals to us our need for Jesus, our need for change, our need for repentance. And he leads us to the person of Jesus Christ, seals that relationship within us, seals the forgiveness that Jesus brings, removes the guilt and the shame, sets us free to live with God forever in the, in the Father. And so we need the Spirit to seal all of that for us. And so that's why Jesus is talking about this whole kingdom of God concept with Nicodemus in this way, in light of the Holy Spirit, saying that the two cannot be separated. And Paul picks up on that theme in Romans 14, which we'll look at in a minute as well. And actually that theme is throughout most of Jesus' teaching and most of what Scripture, the New Testament, says about the kingdom of heaven. That we need the Spirit of God to be heirs of the kingdom. In Romans 8, Paul talks about us being heirs of the kingdom, children of God. By the Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father, uh, and we become heirs through that cry. And so if we're heirs of the kingdom, if we sit to inherit the kingdom of God, which we are as children of God, every single person in this room who believes in and follows Jesus is an heir of the kingdom of God. That's pretty amazing. So what does the kingdom of God look like? What is its mission? What is its purpose? What is it that God wants to do through the kingdom of God? Again, Jesus makes it clear to Nicodemus that it's not about uh, Christianity is not about a get to heaven free card. That's not what Christianity is about. It's not about us being taken to a better place uh, when Jesus comes. It's about God wanting to restore what is broken. God is wanting to bring restoration to this world that is broken and was broken at the fall. And it's only his kingdom, it's only his rule, and it's only his reign that can bring that true restoration. Nothing else can do it. And the very first and the fundamental and the most important thing he restored was our relationship with God the Father through Jesus. That's the first part of his restoration project. By sending Jesus to take the punishment we deserve for the wrong we do, he destroyed the sin that was the barrier between us and God, and then he rose from the dead, destroying death to destroy the thing that separated us and kept us apart from God. And so our relationship with the Father is restored. 
free of shame, free of guilt, we are able to approach the Father in a restored and a renewed relationship only because of the King dying on the cross for us and rising again. So he has already begun his restoration work by restoring the most important and the most fundamental thing there is, our relationship with God. But he still has this desire to not stop there. He didn't want to stop with us. He didn't want to stop just by restoring us. And it's amazing that he did restore us, but he wants to restore his whole earth. He wants to restore everything to how he knows it could be and should be. And in his wisdom, I don't really... I I mean, sometimes you have to marvel at the the mind of God sometimes and, and his plans and his desires. He's chosen to do that through his church. Jesus created this movement called the church that is his agent to bring about that restoration on earth as it is in heaven. So when we gather, what are we here for? Are we here for a social club? No, although our fellowship is important. Are we here just to be this kind of holy gathering? Well, we'll no, although seeking holiness is important and a good thing to do. Are we here uh, just to worship? No, but worship is a huge central part of what we do. Worship is our entire lives. And and when we gather together in worship together, that's an important part of our community life together. But actually, we gather together on a Sunday morning here in this context, but actually through various contexts throughout the world, we gather as the united church around the world, all of God's children as ushers of the kingdom of heaven, as people called to usher in his kingdom, to lay the way for his kingdom, to bring about his kingdom on earth. It is a partnership with Jesus. Church is a partnership with Jesus. I think that's a pretty incredible thing. When we say uh, the creed, uh, and particularly when we say uh, one particular version of the creed, uh, and we said it this morning at St. Mark's, it says that we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And I've known many people who who sit quiet at that point because they think, well, we're Anglicans. So why are we praying for the Catholic church? Well, it's because the word Catholic is actually translated as universal. One universal and worldwide church. But it goes on to say it's one Catholic and one apostolic church. What that means is apostolic is a pioneering role that seeks to bring about the kingdom of heaven. What the apostles' job was was to bring about the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. So every time we stand up and say the creed and say we believe in one holy Catholic, worldwide, universal and apostolic church, we're saying we believe in a global church of God's children who are working together to bring about God's kingdom on earth and we are part of that today. That's why we're here. That's why we worship. That's why we pray, because we believe prayer changes things. That's why we have fellowship, because we're encouraging one another in that and developing one another in that mission and growing that desire in ourselves and in one another to establish God's kingdom on earth, to bring about the restoration that Jesus came to begin by restoring us. And you may think, well, that's great and that's lovely and it sounds powerful and it sounds amazing, 
but how do we, as a, as a, as a number of people gathered in, in lovely Slaffham village in the middle of uh, mid Sussex in a, in a beautiful countryside in England, how do we be part of that? How do we bring about the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven when we gather together in worship, when we spend time together, whether it's today or whether it's through the week? Well, I think Paul holds some of the answer to that. And, and this is only really a, a, a little dip your toe in the water as to what it means to be the kingdom of God people on earth as it is in heaven. But Paul begins to look at this and he's addressing here a church that that is struggling with the whole balance of the fact that, that Jewish people have become Christians and Gentile people have become Christians and they don't really know how to worship anymore because it's all kind of become a bit messy and a bit mushy and, and you've got some people trying to make some rules apply to some people and not to others and it gets really messy and complicated and Paul is writing into that situation and he says therefore let us no longer pass judgment on one another but resolve instead never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of another. You see, when we gather together on a Sunday is the perfect opportunity for us to practice this stuff. Because this is countercultural living. This is, this is Beatitudes-type living. This is, this is the way that Jesus lived and calls us to live. And, and we know that it's countercultural to what the world says. It's completely against how the world would live naturally and normally, given our normal human state. We're called to live as people who put aside judgment of one another people. So that, so that this should be the one place we can come exactly as we are and not be judged by our brothers and sisters around us. And I know that's hard which is why it's about practicing those things. That's what church is for, is where we practice that putting aside judgment. It also talks about speaking truth and not being stumbling blocks to other. This should be the place that we lay down our cynicism and we say, okay, yes, there are things that are wrong with the church, but I still love the church and I still believe God is working through the church. And if I moan about the church every five minutes, it's going to be a stumbling block to anybody else who may be considering Jesus. Because if all they hear is you putting down the church... Are they ever going to want to come to the place where they could find Jesus? And this is the place where we practice building up the church by building up one another. This is how, Jesus said, they will know that you're my disciples, by how you love one another, not by how you criticise one another. (laughs) So are we modelling that love with one another? Are we practising that love when we gather together? It says not to misrepresent uh, God and to, to shine his light and not to disguise uh, goodness and not, not to hide away goodness and not to speak badly of things that we know are good and not to allow that to happen in our presence around us. And then that leaves us feeling a little bit rubbish, doesn't it? <laughs> when you read that, it's like, oh, so basically being the kingdom of God, ushers of the kingdom of God is about a list of things we should not do. Well, no, Paul, Paul goes on to say that's not the case at all. He says, these are things, yes, you should avoid. These are things that are uh, so natural in the world and you're called to be countercultural to the world. But he says, these are the things that are to do with the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has nothing to do with food and drink, but is about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If we want to be ushers of the kingdom of heaven when we gather together on a Sunday morning at St. Mary's Slapham or at any point, at any point through the week in any venue, for our small groups, for our prayer groups, for any time we gather in worship during the middle of the week, wherever we are, even in our worship on our own, we should be seeking these things above all else. 
We're called to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else will be added to us. Righteousness is about being right with God and right with one another. That's true righteousness. And that's something that God desires for us. And then he calls us to be people of peace, not just peacekeepers, but peacemakers as well. So that if there's anyone in here that you've fallen out with, that we seek to resolve that and work out at that out so that we can be a people of peace, but also that we know the peace of God that passes all understanding in our circumstances, in our lives, in our struggles, in our joys, in our hopes, in our dreams, that we're aware that there is a peace that passes understanding in the person of Jesus for us. And then he speaks about this third thing, this joy in the spirit. Uh, I can't remember if I've shared this before or not, but uh, somebody once said, they got up to a group of congregation who, who looked a bit miserable and forlorn, uh, and he said, Jesus saves, tell your face. Um, which I thought was a little bit harsh and a little bit cutting and the kind of thing that only that person could really get away with saying. But what he means is that, that actually, yes, we know we face struggles and we face trials in life and it's not all about being happy, smiley people because that's false and that's not right. If we're not happy, we're not happy. But joy is something very different because joy is something that is born in the Holy Spirit of God in us, birthed in us, and something that we can choose to do, even in the toughest of circumstances. Choose to have joy because we have a God who died for us, who saved us, who loved us, who sets us free and always wants relationship with us. That gives me reason to be joyful. And I hope it gives you reason to be joyful too. Even in the deepest, deepest sorrow, we can find and we can choose joy in the spirit because of what God has done. And when we gather together, we can share in that joy. You know, I've had those times where you walk into church and you just feel absolutely rubbish and like you just, the last thing you feel like doing is singing a song. You just feel either absolutely exhausted or, or a million miles from God, and you just feel, I can't do this today. But you walk into church, and sometimes it can be like everybody else is singing on your behalf, and it just lifts you to that place where you're reminded that God is good, that we're singing eternal truths that come up on the screen, that we're reminding ourselves that there is a great, great God That's why fellowship and community is so, so important and so key to this whole kind of kingdom of God stuff. And you notice that all of these things, righteousness, peace and joy, all three of them are a choice. None of them happen by accident. None of them just happen. They're all things we have to choose to walk in. Things we have to choose to to put on in our lives, to to ask God for more help with and to seek one another uh, in, uh, help of others in. That's why community and fellowship is so important. And when we seek to be a people of righteousness and of peace and of joy in the spirit, then we get glimpses, glimpses of the kingdom of God coming on earth. Every time you see somebody go out of their way to love somebody else, you see a glimpse of the kingdom of heaven. Every time we pray for healing for somebody, even if we don't see the healing in the act of praying in faith, we see glimpses of the kingdom of heaven. 
Every time we open up God's word together, we see glimpses of the kingdom of heaven. Every time we help a brother in need or give financially or or support one of our mission partners, we see glimpses of the kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven. A church that is seeking to be the kingdom of God is there for the poor, the oppressed, the broken, the marginalized, the hurting, the pain. A people of the kingdom of God don't think, how soon can we get rid of these travelers? People of God say, what can we do to bless these travelers whilst they're here? You see, if we're called to be ushers of the kingdom of God, then when we come here, we practice righteousness, we practice peace, we practice joy in the spirit, and we model love to the world. That's how people will know that Jesus' stuff is real and that it works. And that's how we will see his kingdom established on earth as it is in heaven. Can I invite you to stand for a moment, please? I don't know, I'm just, I'm just feeling that something needs to be broken this morning. I just we pray that you just um, reveal to us, God, what you're doing in this place now. Lord, that you would take those words that have been spoken and that you would... Um, personalize them for everybody here 